Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones, and this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Hey, Church Planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, here for another edition of the Church Planner Podcast. And, of course, this is part of our uh, our mega January series, I guess you would call it, right, Peyton, where we're, we're doing a podcast every weekday. So, so yeah, we need a, like, another one of those. We need a sexy name for it. What do we call this? What is this session? I don't know. But this is going to be one of my favorite ones, I can tell you that. Hey, well, you know, we need to come up with a name for the series, but, you know, if you want to come in and just like we asked you, you know, what church planner underoos would you like to see? Maybe you want to name the series, you know, um, name, name the podcast. It's uh, it's kind of like a lightning attack. We're kind of blitzing you uh, during the month of January just for uh, little stories. What in the heck, dude? What's happening? I hear all you can hear that? Yeah, what in the heck? Okay. I got the dog stuck in the room with me. So I'm like throwing crap at him, trying to get him to stop scratching and sniffing <laughs> parts that I don't want to talk about on the podcast. <laughs> I hear all this butter. I'm like, Pete, you need to call Pipe Alert, man. Dude. I'm serious. I'm like throwing pins at my dog. We knock it off. Stupid dog. Dude. That's a new uh, one, man. I was throwing things at my dog. I'm <laughs> trying to get her to stop scratching. She's like obsessed with licking herself. She's got a, a hood on. You know those, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. No. You know that? No. You, know, no, you, you have to hear this. You know, Joey, you know the, uh, I apologize. I haven't even introduced my guest yet. <laughs> Hold on. I have to tell this. I have to on, tell this. All right. Go ahead. No, so I, I've got a cone on my dog, you know, because, uh, like, when a, a dog goes through surgery so they don't scratch and tear out their stitches yeah, and the stuff. cone of shame. The cone of shame. My dog has worn a cone of shame for the last couple of years because she can't <laughs> stop licking herself. Like, we can't take it off. 
So I, like, go into Petco and, like, regularly buy a new cone so I can put on her. So, you know, Luke's two years old. As long as Luke's known Lucy, she's she's had a cone on. So every once in a while, I, like, take off the cone and give her, like, five minutes of freedom to just go crazy and scratch everywhere and lick everything. <laughs> and Luke, Luke, like, looks at her and goes, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, great, man. Oh, man. Hanukkah, eight crazy nights. <laughs> so, so, anyway, that has nothing to do with the Church Planner podcast and, yeah, and yeah, who our guest is. Okay, so, so on, you know, on the back of licking herself, I will now introduce uh, today's <laughs> guest, which is Joey Turner. He is the founder of Brood, which is, uh, uh, I don't know, you know, it's like a restaurant, uh, pub. Um, it's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Joey is a minister. He also pastors the field. The two are not connected. He's going to tell us a little bit uh, more about that. I don't know why I suddenly started talking like a game show host. And over there in the left, we have a beautiful, you know, I did a, and Joey, welcome to the show, man. Glad to be here. You guys are cracking me up, man. You're my kind of guys. <laughs> right on. That bounty hunter is my kind of scum. Spoken by Jabba the Hutt. So, hey, man, welcome on board, and we are really, Thanks. really uh, blessed to have you. Um, if, if you want to learn more after today about Joey's uh, kind of his whole, uh, I don't know what you call it, his descent into, <laughs> into uh, <laughs> brew ministry, um, he is uh, featured in an appendix in the back of Hugh Halter's book, Bible. And uh, we actually didn't hear about it. We actually heard about you. Uh, through Centralized, and uh, I happened to be reading the book the day I come. I'm like, hey, man, I just happened to be reading this book because you said, hey, do you want to find out more? Check me out in Bible. I'm like, dude, I'm reading that book today. It's so funny. That's so awesome. welcome to the show, man. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Glad about what you guys are doing and putting out and love the digital magazine. Great stuff. Very helpful. That's awesome. So we have another listener. We have another Joey. We've got two Joeys. Dude, now we got five people listening to the podcast. That's awesome. <laughs> no, we've got, we, you know this, we've actually got a ton of listeners. It used to be five. We've managed to grow it up to a ton of now ten. Man. <laughs> no, we, we actually have a big audience now, but we still like to make fun of ourselves. But the uh, basically, uh, Joey, tell us a little bit, um, you know, how you got saved. Are, are you saved, Joey? Yeah. I, you know, I am, actually. <laughs> I was part of the package deal before I could start brewing, I guess. <laughs> right on, man. Yeah. Tell us how you came to faith and tell sure, us man. Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. I, 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 love, I mean, anytime I you know, get the opportunity to share that, it's, it's, you know, it's always emotional and always a, a pleasure. But, you know, I was a typical, you know, kid kind of being, you know, running after, you know, the idols of football and, you know, popularity and social life in high school and had no religious background, I guess. And so in high school, I mean, I had a weird woman who parachuted into my world and started coming to our lunchroom and couldn't figure out why she was hanging out. She wasn't a teacher, didn't have kids, why in the world she was at our school all the time. And, but um, shortly after that, I noticed that she somehow gained influence with a lot of my buddies. And uh, so I started leaning into that, and so she was running in a deal called Young Life. And so basically, I started going to that just because everybody else went, and and she just started painting a picture of this guy named Jesus who I had no clue about. Except I grew up Catholic, so it was just a distant deal. 
And uh, I just, I was blown away and went from, you know, partying all the time to falling in love, you know, with with Jesus who, you know, forgave me for my sins and I didn't have to, you know, make the hardest hit in football or have the coolest girlfriend anymore. I'd actually found peace. And it really was one of those kind of life-changing deals. And, and I never would have stepped foot in the church. And so from day one, you know, having someone parachute into your world to, you know, contextualize the gospel in, in my life where it was relevant was the beginning of discipleship for me. So mm. that is, that was a big step. And, and uh, so I just followed her around for two years like a puppy watching what she did. And, and she challenged me in lots of ways, you know, to, to lean back into my world instead of extracting from it just to now that I was a Christian. And so that was a big, you know, that was a big, big time for me. And I tell you that because it, it, it kind of lays the foundation for what I've done since then. But, but she did. She asked me a question. She said, you know, what do you want to be remembered for when you graduate? Someone who's most popular or do you want to leave a legacy by investing in younger, you know, the younger grades uh, so they can, you know, see and hear the message of Jesus? And so she challenged me to pray and say, to ask, for, look for people of peace. Like who, who in your world is like that wants to hang out with you all the time? And so, so anyway, so that those were the early stages of me understanding how to look for where God was, you know, working and. So, so fell in love with the ministry of Young Life. I know what you mean when you say people of peace. Um, but explain for our listeners, uh, what does that mean? Because a lot of these guys are church planning, and they need to know that, that principle and uh, where, yeah. you know, where it comes from in the Word and how important that is to church planning. Yeah, that, you know, it, it comes from Luke 10 when Jesus is sending out to 70 or 72. And... and and, you know, for, for me, it's, it's basically when Jesus is saying, look for a person of peace and stay at their house. And, and I, we've always translated it, and I was, you know, really taught at an early age, look for someone who, who really, you know, digs you, who likes you, and, and for whatever reason, wants it, listening to what you have to say, even if it's just, hey, you know, you're a senior, and, of course, he's just wanting to follow me around because, you know, I'm an older guy. And, uh, and so using the leverage of influence and let the Holy Spirit do his thing. And so basically in Luke 10, it's talking about someone who God's already working on and you're just stepping in and, uh, and being the message through the Holy Spirit for. And so that's really, in my view, what person peace is. And, and it's, you know, and it's really defined our ministry and, and who we are. And so, yeah, yeah. And, and now, I mean, in, in, in one sense, you are that now in the Fort Worth area right. uh, because you have started up uh, a restaurant, a pub, um, serves craft coffee, craft beer. Um, you're pretty well known in your area. I mean, it, it, it's a place, you know, particularly right now with the uh, up-and-coming generation, they're foodies, right? Um, yeah. There's a, there's a little bit of the, the, the Epicurean streak in this generation where they're like, hey, man, life's too short to eat bad food, so. Um, I'm going to appreciate someone who knows how to use ingredients, knows how to craft a fine drink, you know, and, uh, and you guys are kind of riding on, you know, the, the crest of that. But tell me, um, how, what is Brood? How did it get started and how does it tie in with uh, your whole approach to ministry? Yeah. 
Well, you know, I was, I mean, never in my life did I ever think I'd start a restaurant, you know. <laughs> and so I was in ministry for, you know, 23 years, mostly with Young Life and, you know, seven or eight years with, uh, in the church. And, and, uh, so I never thought that that would ever be a path for us. But, um, so Brood, you know, Brood really was birthed out of the idea of me really feeling like I really, I'm an apostolic evangelist. I mean, and I really needed to, to pull out of uh, some of the things I was doing so I could be on the front lines. And, and so as we were looking in, uh, um, in Fort Worth, we realized that 80% of the people in a conservative town like Fort Worth have punted the idea of church for whatever reason and, and aren't going to church anymore. And, uh, you know, the more research we did, we realized that a lot of those were just wounded believers or wounded Christians who, you know, so, you know, they're, Maybe they got a divorce or something happened and someone ridiculed them and I've never gone back there. Whatever the case, you know, there's someone in their family who was tied to the church out in Fort Worth, but 80% of the people aren't going to church anymore. And your typical church plant, you know, is, is, is tapping into that 20%. I'll tell you that because that was, you know, God capturing my heart saying, how in the world, as I did with Young Life with students, how can I parachute into that 80%? And and not now, now that, let me stop. Yeah, sorry. Let me stop you because that's important. That's an important part of your story. Um, you weren't just some dude that said, "Hey, I want to reach my uh, city, and I want to start a restaurant slash brewery." Um, you kind of did the same thing that I did. You started off in in a successful ministry, start off in mega church, and, and mm-hmm. kind of worked your way backwards from the yeah. average guy. Um, how did that happen? Well, I mean, it, you know, I, I ended up, you know, on Young Life staff for 15 years, and the apostolic evangelist in me got to play out quite a bit. But you get to a point, you know, I got to a point where, man, I, you know, I mean, raising support all the time was really just, you know, wearing on me. And uh, so I decided to do the unthinkable and to go on church staff, and, and it was great. It was, you know, a great deal. So did that for a while, and, and in the middle of it, I just knew that you know, I had to be on the front lines, and really God you know, poked at me one day and, and just convicted me. And uh, and I'd forgotten how to minister to adults. And uh, as I was ministering to a lot of students and, you know, inside the box of church and focusing in on, you know, ready for, for Sunday, I didn't know my neighbors. And, you know, started reading, you know, books from Alan Hirsch and Hugh Halter and was like, whoa. It wasn't the aha moment that a lot of people are getting. It was almost like, thank you. It gave me new hope for for the path of the incarnation world that I knew from young life. And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, I, I don't have to be in the parachurch to feel like I belong. I always felt like that, you know, am I a parachurch guy? Am I a church guy? Am I JV? Am I varsity? You know, what is it? And I always kind of had that shame going. And, and so started to think, man, do I need to go back on the front lines of some parachurch and, but with adults and, it was a breath of fresh air, and so the question was now, as God was poking at me and I was convicted, I didn't know my neighbors. It wasn't the jet out of there. It was really, how can I be obedient just where I am and start yeah. getting to know my neighbors and figure out ways to get involved in, in my city? So I think also, if, you can, if you can work with youth, it's, it's interesting when you said, man, how, do I, how would I get back to what I knew in young life? Um, right. It's so interesting because I start off in youth ministry. I was way too young. I was like 19 years old. My oldest kid was 18. It was kind of awkward. I was like, hey, I could marry you. 
But, you know, the, uh, <laughs> the, the weird thing is that, you know, at a certain point, it was kind of like youth ministry. You know, the best church I've ever had was my youth group. Right. Um, you know, it, it's amazing. If you think about it, youth groups are closer to the first century model of church. You know, you're in each other's homes. You know, it's community. It's, you know, everybody, it's all heavy discipleship, heavy evangelism, full participation. That's that's the whole goal of, of, of every youth pastor for his kid, unless you're in, like, some kind of lame, like, entertainment-based model, you know. Um, but but a, a real healthy youth group, man, it, yeah. it is the healthiest form of church. So I relate to you on that. I, mean, I, I yeah. thought that was really important, what you said right there. And, and so you've kind of gone on to reproduce that. That's kind of your story is I didn't get that when I was in the megachurch, but I found a way to kind of go back to that, and brood was kind of like the linchpin. How did brood kind of fill that need for you? What, what happened with that whole thing? Yeah, well, I, I really was stumped because I, I I had the heart to, you know, to dive into the 80%. And so I was looking for bro- bro- broken pockets in the city and was really asking God, give me a heart, first of all, for the city and, and for areas that kind of scared me, you know, in the past. And we kind of just drove by. So God was really working on me on what, what in the world the kingdom is and, you know, what, what his plan really was. And the more I got convicted, the more I started praying, but the more dead end. It's like, how do I do that? What I, you know, if I'm not going to go with the big website and the music, you know, the cool music worship leader and and a, a cool preacher, you know, how in the world am I going to dive into the 80%? And so I happened to be the linchpin for me in the aha moment came. We were involved with ministry in China. And and uh, so I was bringing a lot of people out there. And, and uh, while we were there, I mean, when you have to be creative. Uh, when you can't hide behind, you know, a building or the leverage of uh, being a Christian pastor. Uh, and so that's what they had to do. And so we stumbled upon a, a transformation was happening, and, and hundreds of Chinese people were just in droves were becoming believers and, and uh, trusting in Christ. And and it, and it was through the venue that, of uh, businesses missions. So they had created... A, uh, a leadership form format to teach them how to get jobs, and and uh, they were doing it better than anybody else. And so I met with the missionary on the ground, and I asked him, "Chris, like, how in the world did you pull this off? This is amazing. I've never seen anything like it." Mm. And he said, "Joey, man, just two years ago, they were kicking me off campus of all the all the colleges that we were trying to you know trying to get on. They, they didn't want to have anything to do with me." And uh, he's like, "They're so pragmatic." And all my cover, so to speak, was being a 35-year-old student at the university. I mean, they thought I was weird. <laughs> like, this guy's a loser. <laughs> You're like Billy Madison, but like the Christian yeah. That's right. It was like, hey, here I am. And, uh, and so he said, so what I started to do was started asking good missionary questions, which we should have done in the beginning, which is what, what do they need? What do the what do these people need? And and they saw these these leadership you know consulting firms that the Chinese were were doing, and they were teaching them in English how to how to really connect globally. But they were doing a poor job, and uh, and so they decided, hey, what if we just you know, use our talents and, and start a business on leadership and and uh, and just do a better job and treat them with respect like we should as Christians. And it worked, and they made it competitive, and it just blew up on, on you know, 25 or 30 campuses in, in this big, giant city. And 
And at that moment, I was like, that, that's it. He, he said, we did three things through business. He calls them the three eyes, and, and, and uh, we've followed this to a T. And the first one is, is that you want to integrate through the business. So as you kind of dive in incarnationally and get deep, you, you need to integrate through the business. So you're wearing the hat of the business, and it gives you the second one is an identity. A gain, you need to gain an identity through the business. And then obviously third is, is if you do a good job and you have a good identity, then you can gain influence. So integrate, gain an identity, and gain influence. And, and, uh, and that's what they did. Can you, so, you know, I, I want to give people your website real quick so they can actually go and check this out. It's www.broodfw.com. But uh, I know Pete's going to kind of like probably take the lead from here talking to, you know, to the business side of it because this is his his speciality. And, I mean, we're, we're talking a lot, of, you know, to guys with what we call the Trojan horse. We stole that from Mike Cheshire. But uh, this is a Trojan horse. And, you know, I – It'd be cool if you unpack those kind of three principles and how you've attained that. Because I know one of the things that you mentioned in Hugh Halter's book is you say, look, it was really important to us that the field, it wasn't a bait and switch. Like the field, which right. is your church plant, wasn't connected in any way to um, root. You wanted to right. establish your identity, but you wanted it to be, hey, this is a Fort Worth hangout. This is not a church hangout. This is not a Christian hangout. We, we actually want our identity to be, we're actually for the good of the city. We're actually here as part of the identity of the city. And, of course, then the personal uh, relationships take off. That was your goal, was to get you out of the cubicle in, in the name of Jesus, um, you know, a pencil pusher for Jesus, and get you out like Paul in the marketplace, making tents, uh, out where you could actually do some good and impact the world and impact right. Fort Worth. I think the best place to start it, though, is why don't you tell everyone what brood is? Because sure. I think a lot of people don't even know what we are referring to when we say brood. Yeah. So, well, it is a full-fledged restaurant, but but it, you know it's it's under the umbrella of a gastro pub. So we do high-quality craft coffee, high-quality craft beer, all local and lo- locally sourced food. And uh, and so we're open from eight in the morning till you know eleven at night, midnight during the during the weekends. And so you get the morning crowd, you get the lunch crowd, and then you get um, the night crowd. And the the heart of it is basically a an old public house of old. You know, back in the day in the, the late you know seventeen hundreds, uh, where you know you you established a place where a third space where people could come together from all walks of life. Um, uh, to to collaborate and share ideas, and uh, yeah. and so we we don't we have one TV that's hidden behind a Texas map, and you know if it's going to build community, uh, like the Super Bowl maybe, or if our teams in the playoffs, we'll you know we'll watch something, but that's it. Everything else is long tables, shared plates, anything that builds community. Um, so that's really you know our deal. So we have. We have homeless people that come in there. We have people running for governor and mayors coming in there, politicians. And so it's fun to see, you know, the plumber and the politician kind of collaborating together. And so that was our hope, and that's kind of what Brood is. And and, uh, and it, uh, under the umbrella of let's highlight the things in the area. So I like to call it, like, my favorite deal is to showcase our friends' dreams. So if they just started, you know, making beer, we can – 
showcase it, give them a tap, or so that's that's been fun. That's rock and roll, man. Yeah, it's it really it's been really fun. I mean, you you go to a different level with with uh, people when when they've been dreaming about something for two or three years, and you say, "Man, we want to be we want to help you," you know, showcase this, and uh, and so it it really does add value. That's what brood is. When when you're when you're talking about um, being in the community and and, and having a third place, it's interesting that you kind of went back to 17th century because the pub is something that's very familiar to me. I mean, being a first thing I learned to do, you know, I was at Lloyd Jones's church. First thing I learned to do was to drink beer. One of the elders, uh, I think it was my second day in the country, he took me around. I, I was, you know, I was a good kind of like conservative evangelical. So I was like, I, I don't drink beer, man. You know, so I guess, you know, and, and, and he took me around and we went to lunch. You know, he's helping me look for a car, just, just moved to the country. And, uh, he goes, Hey, let's go to a pub. Went to a pub and I'm thinking, right, you know, I'll drink, uh, whatever. And he goes, Hey, you know, you don't, you don't mind having a beer, do you? And I found out that every evangelical in that country just about drank beer, man. That was new. And I had, like, a drinking problem, and that was new to me. You know, that was a complete shift for me. And I was like, okay, I'm a missionary. You know, if I were in France, they'd all be drinking wine, including Christians. And for Americans, that's kind of hard. But, you know, there's something, there's a a cultural uh, benefit that comes around the pod. Uh, something you mentioned, the third space. America's trying to do the third space thing, and Starbucks pays lip service to it. But even when you go to Starbucks, it's still pretty much about the individual, right? I go in there, I put my headphones on, I crack open my MacBook, yeah. and I do my thing because I'm an American. It's all about me, baby. And whereas in the pub, the pub is the great uniter. Everybody sits around, gathers around a pint of ale, and they talk. And they sit at the bar, they sit at tables, and everybody talks to everybody. And it's not a young man scene, it's not a male scene, it's not an old person scene, it's an everybody scene. And just, if you get a chance, um, this is going to sound really lame because I'm asking you to watch a soap opera, you get on a show called The East Enders and just watch one episode of it. That is serious community. These people are in and out of each other's lives. Now, when I was there, the difficulty that I had was watching the hub of society be not a coffee shop, but being the pub. And the coffee shop still has not attained to what the pub has achieved. Right. The pub has achieved real community, real interaction. Um, you walk in, everybody knows you. Kind of like Cheers, right? My wife right. just watched the first episode of Cheers last night because it's on Netflix. And, you know, it says, it mean, you want to go where everybody knows your name. You know, where the troubles are all the same, and, you know, I can bust it out if you want. But you get the picture. That is actually the community. Without it being a seedy, creepy, you know, tattooing bar, it is actually uh, a place where families go and hang out. And that's what you guys are going for. That's right. That's well, is that, is that the way that your your uh, brood actually looks? Is it very much like the community that they just described? Or yeah. is it yeah, more like it Starbucks? No, no, it's, it's, that was, I mean, that was the heartbeat. I mean, our, our tagline is the locals living room. And, uh, and so it's one thing that, you know, have these ideas. It's another thing to pull it off. And, and so we, you know, we started off just going back a little bit, just to tell you, because, you know, I, a lot of people come, man, I really want to start a pub or man, tell me how you did the coffee shop. And, 
and uh, and they're just ready to take notes. And, and I always stop them and say, man, I just want to tell you, you know, it wasn't about that. It was we started by asking how can we add value to the city, like you said earlier, and, and, and to stay true to that. And, and you know, because of the big box, everybody was kind of pushing against that. And in Fort Worth, it's not too eclectic. I mean, we're in a pocket that is. It's a little bit more like Austin or San Fran, but it's small. It's a smaller area, but it's, it's called the hood out here. And, and, uh, and so we were like, this is the perfect place. And what, what's good news to them? And so, you know, locally sourced stuff, craft beer, craft coffee. And there's a community garden right around the corner. So this just fits. And, uh, and so, you know, we were like, how can we add value? But what if we created a place that represents a taste of the kingdom on every facet? From the minute you walk mm, in, you're blown, you're blown away. That. You're blown away by the, the way the place looks because it's creative. It, and so we added value by going into a place and restoring, restoring it. It was, it was the oldest street in town. It was the hood. And so we took an old building, repurposed it and, and, uh, and we, you know, we threw some crazy stuff on the walls and, it, and people come in and either want to take pictures next to the, you know, the decor or they want to buy it. Now, uh, you guys, it, it's interesting because www.broodfw.com, um, mm-hmm. you can go, you can go to Facebook, check them out on Brood. You can see the pictures on there. And I mean, it's really funny because you guys, you sent out an army. I don't remember where I read this from, but you guys sent an army of people out. Uh, it must have been your team. And you guys bought a bunch of eclectic, uh, weird things, man, at like garage sales and kind of some vintage stuff. And that's all over the freaking place, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's not just garage sale stuff, but it's high, you know, it's quality stuff. But we would, you know, one of the best stories that, that we tell is, you know, we were driving by and we saw an old mattress. Uh, you know, spring mattress on, you know, on the, on the side of the street. And, and, uh, we, you know, put on the brakes and told my wife to pick it up. You know, hey, grab that. We could use it. And we're like, what? What? And she was thrilled about that, wasn't she? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and sure enough, we have it on the wall. People take pictures around it all the time. We have decorated it and stuff. And it's very, you know, very, very, um, I don't know, a common of some of the things we do. And, but the, the, the point was is that we wanted people to feel comfortable and to recognize something, whether you were five or 70 when you came in for something from your home. And, uh, so we have old sprinklers from the forties and, you know, sprinkler heads. So it's random stuff, you know, all over the place. Uh, and we have a room that's kind of like a blown up, you know, like a sixties explosion just happened in one of our rooms. And, and uh, it, it just brings you back in a lot of ways. And and so the design of the place, not only are people proud of it, that's what I was going to say is people are, proud, you know, in Fort Worth, there's just not a lot of places like this. And so they brag about it. It gives them, you know, social currency to, to go. So, man, you got to check this place out. You know, you don't have to go to Dallas anymore. Come check this place out. So it's add, added value that way. And. Of course, we've added over 50 job, new jobs to the area. And so, uh, it's, you know, we wanted to make sure that, um, that, you know, the identity that we gained was we want to be servants to the, to the neighborhood. We're not just trying to be a cool hip, you know, beer place or coffee place. Um, we, we really wanted to be servants. And so, and it's been working, you know, and so, uh, how do you deal with, um, how do you deal with a lot of the, uh, the legalism, I'm sure you got to face the heat that you got to face from, 
you know, evangelicals who are like, hey, you know, how can you have a, a you know, how can you serve beer, basically? I mean, how, how can we have anything that's touching alcohol? Alcohol has destroyed so many lives and yada, yada, yeah. yada. I mean, how, how do you deal with that? Well, I mean, it, it is a serious subject, and, you know, it can be the elephant in the room, and so we try to, you know, early on, I guess, we we hit some, you know, some snags and some people, you know, are, are questioning that, and some of them because they, you know, they have family members who are alcoholics or have been, you know, been hurt through this, and and so, you know, it's a slippery slope, and so uh, early on, we, we definitely got some slack, but, um, but you know... But from that time on, I mean, we really have shown people, hey, listen, this is this is not a place where you're just going to come and get trashed. And so when we were planning the place, we intentionally made sure that there weren't going to be, um, you know, long areas where it would turn into a bar, you know, a, a big area where a lot of singles would just hang out together and, you know, and, and make it into a crazy bar. So the, the layout of Brood helps uh, keep things in moderation. And, and you know, one of my deals is as I started gaining an identity, it's hilarious and it's kind of, it's, it's kind of funny is, you know, we really, I had to somehow get out of that, that 20%. I was in the bubble. I was part of that, the Christian culture. And, uh, and so for me, it was like, how do I parachute into a whole different world? And I used to tell my Christian friends like, Hey, I'm going to, you might not ever see me again. <laughs> uh, and so as we were, planning the church, we took a team out and we moved into the hood and, you know, we started living life here and digging deep. But, but I, I, you know, I went from youth pastor guy to now beer guy. Um, and so, yeah, I, I all of a sudden, you know, started being known as a guy that, um, not, not just drinking beer, but like all my friends became all the distributors and, you know, I started posting a lot of things on, on Facebook and trying to intentionally get out of that and and uh, get into the beer scene because that was going to open up a lot of doors for me, and it sure has. Yeah, it's opened up a lot of doors when people, you know, when I start going to, to the breweries and starting talking to all the guys and I'm highlighting their their beers, and then they go, wait a minute, someone told me you're also a pastor. Is that true? <laughs> and they can't believe it, and it really tears down a lot of negative stereotypes for us. That's the best. That's the bad. We actually we have a uh, another church planner that we work with that uh, he was from the uh, the Midwest area and he moved out to a, another location and ended up getting a job and ended up being um, the head of the uh, the liquor uh, area in this I think it was a grocery store and when the churches that were supporting him for his church planning mission found out what he was doing yeah. as his day job. They all cut him off, yeah. and he lost all of that support. So, to me, in yeah. hearing your story of we were all distributors too, you know, all, all you know, doing all that stuff. I mean, I love it. I love it yeah. because you understood the game that we were playing, so to speak, um, right. as opposed to uh, you know just oh well, you know, we we can't have anything to do with that or anything to do with those people. Is yeah. how we we usually start to term it in our own mind. So. Well, and, you know, I do I, as much, I get the opportunity to, you know, because people, you're a pastor, man, you, you know, how do you moderate this? And a lot of the craft beers are also high in alcohol, man. I mean, some of these beers are 12%. And and so I, I kind of, I throw around a lot, hey, it, I, I, I follow the two-pint rule. And um, 
And so that's kind of the social norm for us is to say, hey, man, it's, it's great to collaborate in this, you know, at Brood and have conversations. Let's have a pint or two and loosen up. And you start to share some great things. It's not about, you know, it's not about getting drunk. It's about, you know, relaxing and sharing life together. And a beer, you know, up until, you know, I, I guess prohibition in the early 20s was always seen as a gift from God. Uh, you know, and it was for sure seen as. I still hey, consider it a gift from God, just so you know. Absolutely, <laughs> Benjamin <laughs> Franklin, baby. What, what, what did Benjamin Franklin say? Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. And right. you know, it's funny because Wesley actually owned a couple of breweries. People don't actually yeah. realize this. Yeah, that uh, that man was an astute and shrewd businessman. And although he lived on a stipend. Um, of, of what he made in the first year is what he continued to make until his death. He set out, this is what I need to survive on. Every profit went to support his church planners and missionaries and his itinerant preachers. But the reality is he had two breweries pumping out beer that wow. funded the gospel. And people don't actually realize this, but, but of course they weren't prudish. Um, yeah. You know, we tend to be more Victorian. I mean, America is pumping out more filth than anything, but we're prudish about alcohol. Um, yeah. Other countries, it's just different. It's it's normal for them. We went back yeah. in a time machine. We wouldn't have that that conversation. And uh, Luther, of course, you know, when when he was debating the Catholics, he 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 makes a statement in Table Talk. Uh, he says, you know, the only reason that that the Catholics actually keep coming back and getting their butts kicked is because we serve such good beer. <laughs> you know, because yeah. they would debate with Catholics. And any eat privilege, that's why they keep coming back, because our beer is so good. And, mm-hmm. uh, of course, monks, monks, the gospel, you know, they would brew the best ale, you know. And, uh, you know, it was kind of like a, uh, uh, at some point, this is a, a very American thing. And, and Pete and I talk about this. At the times, we deal with a lot of addicts. So, we, you know, there's times we keep stuff yeah. on the download. We're never anything right. but who we are. But right. there's, a, there's a point at which, even in Wales, when I was there, and, and, and drink was such a big part of the culture and a big part of the church that I planted, um, we still, at a certain point, we got so many addicts in. We're like, okay, we might need to kind of change things up slightly, you know, for some of the stuff we're doing here because, you know, we're some of these guys are just getting off the bottle. And, and so, there, you know, we ran into that, and we had to kind of deal with it without being prudish or hypocritical in any way. And that, yeah. it's, it's a, you know, but it's um, it's definitely something that, uh, you know, I, I, I ask people this. I say, look, you know, um, do you love someone enough to drink a beer with them? Would, would you literally put a barrier up to the gospel? Paul had to kind of cross over his personal, and so did Peter, to eat pork. And Paul says, I became as all things. You know, it's the same thing for a modern-day Christian uh, to drink a beer as it was for a Jew like Paul, a Pharisee, to, to eat pork. And people are like, well, no one got such as a – it's food sacrifice to idols. And Paul deals with that. And he says, hey, you know, boom, boom, boom. So it's just one of those things where, you know, it uh, needs to be talked about. Yeah. What, Joey, let me ask you, what would you give as advice to a church planner who's saying, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that – that what we need to do in our community, in our context, is to, you know, build something like this, a community uh, type of place. You know, maybe it's got the pub element, maybe it doesn't, but, you know, what what pitfalls and mistakes have you made that, that you guys made in this whole process? That, yeah. And 
And, you know, what advice would you give that person? Well, that's, that's good. Um, a lot of things. Man, we made a lot of mistakes. But, you know, the, having integrity, I think, in a, like you mentioned earlier, we haven't talked much about my church, the field. It's a, you know, missional community kind of church. And, and so we, we have, you know, three or four, uh, you know, communities that, that meet in homes. And then once, once a month, we all get together. Uh, but, you know, sometimes I think as a church planner, we really started with let's look through the lens of a global missionary. We're going to be local missionaries, so why don't we follow that track? And so that was our, you know, we didn't start with, hey, let's just start it, you know, let's just get our, our team together as a church and then, you know, and plan something or, hey, why don't we just and start a pub or, you know, a gastro pub and, and then use, use the building on Sunday. And so if you, for, for me, the first thing I'd say is if you, you know, have integrity with the plan, and, and for us, it was, you know, a global missionary. So we asked the question, um, what, you know, what, what's most important? What's the gospel here? And so we decided, as you said earlier, I think it's just important to, before I give the advice that that the field would not be connected to brood because of the bait-and-switch tricks that, you know, we Christians have put on <laughs> that 80% out here in Fort Worth, that's part of the reason why they don't like it. It's like, hey, get to know me. That You know, let's have let's have a beer here or let's hang out and, you know, we don't have to hear the gospel presentation, you know, afterwards. Or, you know, we've seen some coffee shops out here that there's a coffee shop and it's connected to a church and if you just, you know, look in the other windows, oh, my God, there just happens to be a sanctuary there. Maybe on Sunday I'll just, I guess I'll just come here. And I... <laughs> And it just doesn't work here. And so we knew that if we were going to, you know, uh, create this this restaurant, that it, it needed to have integrity and not and not be connected because they would have just sniffed that out, and we would have just had Christians and, and birds the whole time. And so, what does that mean, though? That was huge for us because we were thinking, well, man, we could just run, you know, we could just raise support, or you know, people can give for the for brood as a ministry. And it could be a nonprofit, and people can get a write-off. Uh, that was that's an option, right? A lot of people do that. And you know, we can use this as our our space on Sundays. Because we wanted to stay true to the plan, we said we couldn't do those things. So we were going to have to find another way to 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 get it funded. And uh, and that was big, you know, big steps. And so we don't meet at Brood because we didn't want it to feel like a bait and switch. We wanted it to be a gift to the city. So, so Joey, ex- explain to me, like, there obviously is some trickle over, right? Like, you're going to, you're going to yeah. obviously build relationships and connections. How does that work out? How many people that you've made contact with in Brood have actually made it over to the field? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's working really well. I mean, in, in the field, you know, I mean, our church, would say, hey, you know, we really are extended family, so when does, when does family meet? Well, they meet all the time. So I'm not trying to dance around the question, but we, we, you know, our whole deal is we meet as a family sometimes and we throw our on-ramps or parties and service projects. So, so people, you know, a lot of people at Brood are involved with the field. They just don't always know it. Uh, hmm. and so I call, I call it the blend. Uh, and, and, you know, once they become a believer, which we've had a few, then absolutely they start, you know, they start coming to our family time. Uh, but I'll throw, I'll throw a party at my house and some, some of my proudest moments are when I can't, 
distinguish between my neighbors uh, and brood people and the field. They're all together. And, and that's, you know, destroying the secular and sacred. And so they're just part of the fabric of who we are. So I call it a net. And so the on-ramps really are it's like, hey, let's hang out. And so, you know, we never do anything as a lone ranger. And so we want to create a tangible expression through the field of the kingdom. And so we always have two or three people from the field hanging out with people at brood. And they're just family. And so we've had, you know, some, some tragedies happen. And so through that, we've been able to counsel and, and support and, and, uh, and love on some of these people and, and several of them have become believers. So it's indirectly tied, but I call it a blend. You just, you just can't even distinguish the two. Um, so we have multiple conversations and then those that want to come, they, they come on Sundays to one of our houses and, uh, for the family time. But so it's been, it, and, it, and we're just now, you know, scratching the surface on, on those kind of yeah. things. And yeah. on the service kind of things, it's, it's amazing that, you know, all along we thought that, um, that brood, that the, the beauty of brood would just be the people that came in as patrons. And instantly we realized, wow, the gold is our employees. Mm-hmm. We see them every day. I mean, there's 50 of them. And, and so, and if you know anything about the restaurant world, you know it's a dark place. And so for us yeah. to be light in that and to treat them differently, it was right before our very eyes. We didn't even know it. And so every day we love on them differently. And not only that, but we give them service opportunities in the city to just, hey, let's go, you know, let's go show the poor. And, or even better, how about we have homeless people start working here and we get, why is this guy working here? And we get to tell them why and why that's important to us. And uh, it just leads to some amazing um, conversations, and and it tears down a lot of negative stereotypes they have of what a Christian is. It's just beautiful. It's been beautiful. So that's, that's really that's kind cool. of the background of what we do, but that's not really necessarily the the tips I'd give someone that's wanting to attempt to do something like this. But <laughs> yeah, but you know, that's actually I, I find that so um, so profound because. I, that was actually one of my questions that I just didn't ask, but, you know, who do you hire? Is it all people from the church? And it sounds to me like that's, you're not, you know, just we're going to hire someone because they're a Christian and have them work at Brood. Yeah. You're hiring people like you would hire anyone for a job. That's right. Right? I mean, that's, that's right. what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, we, you know, we had deep roots here, so we, we found some missionally-minded, savvy, kingdom-minded, you know, believers to kind of be the base. But, you know, and there's a tipping point. We found out it's tricky. I mean, you get, you get, you know, too many non-believers that are pushing the show and, you know, they start, you know, leaning into some of our core values. And, but we run it just like a business. And so these are our core values, whether or not you're a believer or not. This is, you know, we, you have to, you know, abide by our values. And our vision is, is to serve people, impact our, bless the city and impact the world. And so people love it. I mean, we have, you know, people from all walks of life that, that just will, will be, you know, quoting our, our mission statement going, man, we're here to bless the city. We need to do some more things this week and this month. And yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's do it. That's uh, awesome. Well, hey, man, it is, Joey, it has been awesome having you on the show. I think uh, maybe in the future we can get you back and, and kind of walk through the steps that it took to set up something like that. Yeah, because, absolutely. you know, although we definitely don't want the, you know, carbon copycats out there, um, some people are, are praying it through, probably thinking about it and going, 
you know, if God called me to do that, but I, I just don't know what the steps would be, you know. Yeah. And it, as, yeah. as you pointed out, it's a team effort. But I think sometimes it's helpful to give people kind of an understanding for what did it look like? What kind of work did it actually take? What, you know, how did you, yeah. what, what kind of things did you have to balance? And so uh, we may want to come back and talk to you about yeah. that in future. But uh, you can definitely get in touch with uh, Joey. You can check him out on Twitter at BroodFW, that stands for Fort Worth, and www.broodfw.com. Joey, it's been awesome having you on the show. Thanks, man. Enjoyed it. All right. Well, hey, Church Planner, want to thank you for uh, tuning in and listening during this uh, blitzkrieg that we've been doing during the month of January. If you want to uh, spread the word for us, leave us a review. That would be hot. I still got uh, a couple books to give away from uh, Mike Cheshire. If you want to leave us a positive review, if this has been helping you. Some of you guys have been giving us feedback. I've been getting emails, and uh, Pete and I both appreciate it. This has been the Church Planner Podcast reminding you, if you want to reach the ones no one's reaching, you got to go where nobody's going, like Joey Turner, and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.